Hello, and welcome to this episode of Artists in Depth. I'm Alan Powell, and together with my co-host Bill Key, we talk with guest artists and explore links between their creativity and their identity. No matter your choice of expression, Artists in Depth provides an opportunity for the listener to ask the same questions of themselves that are being asked of our guests and to reflect on their own identity through the work they've created. And without further ado, let's get on with our podcast. This episode of Artists in Depth is sponsored by Equity Showcase in Toronto, Canada, embracing all artists by developing, uniting, advocating, and empowering the arts community. Visit equityshowcase.ca to discover all their initiatives. Our guest today is Jonathan Eamond. Jonathan does not fit our usual profile for guests, being that he's not established yet. But it's who he is as an artist that intrigues me. Jonathan is a Huron-Wendet, French-Polish-Canadian. And at 26 years old, he has many talents of which he pursues all. He's a gifted pianist and a poet, having written two yet-to-be-published poetry books. At 10 years old, Jonathan suffered a life-threatening event when both his kidneys failed and his father donated one of his. The experience motivated Jonathan to become a public speaker, sharing his story of survival and encouraging corporations to pledge funds while still in his teens. Today, he remains an active ambassador for various children's charities and organizations. He's also an actor, with television credits such as Transplant, Slacks, and a leading role in the sci-fi feature, Moment One. I had the pleasure of directing Jonathan recently, and what caught my attention is his artistic integrity. What I mean by that is his ability to connect with conviction and his dedication to align himself with the artistic vision while making it personal to him and still serve the overall piece. Our discussion ran the gamut from his Buddhist views of life to his method approach to acting. With one requiring detaching from his ego and the other involving profound connection to it, he manages to find oneness in both. Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for inviting me in the first place. Like, yeah. I'm really stoked. Just looking at all the stuff that, uh, that you had given me and, and uh, to review, yes. and, um, it was really exciting for me because um, you actually, you reminded me of myself at a certain time in my life. So I, I, I connected with that, uh, re- really resonated. Um, but one of the things, that I feel this conversation can go is beyond acting, beyond art. The first thing I want to do is hand it over to you. Uh, I'm just going by, I'm just being spontaneous here. Is there something that has been playing on your mind, your heart um, for the last week or so leading up to this that you've been just percolating over and you just want to share? It's funny that you say this right before the, like we started filming, I went to my poetry book and this is my, this is the second one I've been writing and it's like, I'm getting close to the end. And I was reading this one called the illusion of reality. And I had this life after death moment, like it was induced by breath work that I was doing. And you know, the idea of the light at the end of the tunnel, experiencing it, I realize it's not a light at the end of the tunnel. It's the light that's actually coming to you. It's like the void of darkness. And this light is like just your high superior consciousness, God, whomever you want to like, whatever figure that you call in your life. And we had just a conversation, right, about reality, growth, and whatnot. And that's the poem that I wrote about it, about that experience coming back. 
And it all it ended up being and no matter how much we want to leave or want to attain this certain freedom, because that's what I was experiencing, this need for more and more freedom until I realized that the freedom I was seeking meant I had to detach my physical experience and the body was the bound. And that's when I was like, okay, damn, this is really this is really making me reevaluate what I want out of life right now. Like, what am I going to stay alive? What am I going to do? Right. Cause the question that was asked is like, all right, well, do you want to come back? The end of the conversation ended it with that. And this is the conversation with you were having with the light, with the light. Yeah. And it was like, do you want to come back? And you don't have a choice at that moment. It's your subconscious. That's going to speak for you. And it just said, I'm not ready to leave. I, I have to, I have to stay. And the the answer that came through was really cool with the way it replied and it was saying it's like that's the most honest thing you've ever spoken you know because a lot of times i was like oh yeah i'm not afraid of dying or i don't like i'm not attached to life it's like i'm ready to die whenever and then this moment happens and i'm like no but i'm choosing to stay you know it's like it's it's like an oxymoron in its own sense so i I may have missed something have you were you in a life death situation recently meditating breath work literally felt my heartbeat stop and the moment it stopped i was like i just wasn't even in my body anymore literally i was just in this void of darkness where this light was coming towards me and that's where the conversation took place and that's what the poem was about and i was like yo my god like i feel like you guys would freaking love it and it's just coming down to the illusions of reality what we truly believe as reality or as the identity aspect of life right so yeah, it just came down to yeah. It's, I, it's a whole other can of worms, you know. But nevertheless, it is. It is, yeah. and and it's it's incredibly deep and profound. It's profound, and and I am wondering about: Were you born into the world with this consciousness, or did it come to you through an experience that you had? I know when you were young, you had kidney failure. Um, did something shift then? Can you explain? Your- I would say that I came to this. Yeah, I would say, well, I, like, Alan, when I came to this world, my grandma kept telling me, she was like, you were singing mantras in whatever language you were speaking it. You were singing mantras, drawing mandalas when you were too young to speak, you know? And she was like, I don't know where you came from, but let's just say that your parents were like, okay, what kind of child are we playing with here? <laughs> you know? And honestly, my artistic journey was just my journey to truth, right? Because that's typically what aligned me to my authentic self but nevertheless it's i I definitely say that i came to this world with that energy and it's just been unveiling itself with time and it's just manifesting more and more profoundly every time that i just breathe i guess it's yeah do you presence do you do a lot of breath work i meditate i mean i observe my breath as much as i possibly can you know and um yeah, I would say that it's just, it's a lifestyle. You know, you meditate until you realize everyday life is your meditation, right? So, yeah, I just being as present as possible whenever I'm, like, just right now, just observing my own words, observing my own breath, observing you guys, right? As above, so below, so. I want to try and keep it grounded. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So yeah, I would like to tie this conversation into the concept of creativity what is it about the arts the uh, your how you express yourself in your music and your poetry and your acting what is it that is 
um, nurturing your identity? It's a big question and I'm just sort of finding myself through it right now. Okay. Um, I would say for myself, it's not even a question of my identity because I feel like if I use the term identity, then I limit myself to what I am, if you get what I mean, right? Or what I'm comfortable with. And I guess I've just been exploring a bunch of different art forms during this time of like a lot of solitude. And I realized that it's just my identity, I guess, is just I love to love. I love to love. And it's my way of healing myself through art and my making my music. It's this expression of my love for the world coming through in that manifestation. So whatever comes through, comes through. Um, I would say I find fulfillment in the creation because if I don't create, I'm miserable. I feel like I need to do something. I need to love the world in a way. If it's not by helping this person on the street, then I need to create something, just this tangible love, right? And I would say art is the symbolism of your own soul expression. And that's, that's a gift that you can allow the world to receive, especially when you're coming from a place of authenticity. You're really channeling such a deep soul love to the world. It's like, here's who I am. It's like, here are, here are my scars. Here's my love. Here's my pain. Here's my everything. And that's what I find in the identity of art is there's so much that we're not aware of when we create. But then we look back and we realize at what depth that we've become vulnerable to what we have brought, you know. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the beauty in it is as artists, we feel like our love is being is of being of service to society through the way that we create. So let me ask you then, what is it that you have put out into the world? What, what have you expressed through yourself, through your art to others? Music. But, yeah. yeah. Aside, aside from love, which is uh, lovely, um, to be more specific, you said, here I am with all my pain, with all my wounds. Um, what is it that you have? What wounds have you given? And I saw, and this, again, this, this goes down, this comes down to, I know it's not identity, but it's coming from you. Does that? Yeah, yeah. Damn. Well, it's like, what have I, you know, one of the scariest things, one of the, well, the poetry book that I sent you, that's one of the scariest things that I've ever felt like giving out to the world. Cause that's who I am at my core. This was my intimate journal that I'm publishing. Right. So it's like ultimate transparency, ultimate transparency. And um, my art, I would say like acting wise, I've, I've shown a lot, a lot through that. And it's been through the characters that I play. They're all parts of me. No matter how much I'm going method on them, they're all a part of who I am. That's where they're based in. So with, uh, with Theo, surprisingly enough, this role is a movie that never actually saw the light of day. The, the like I did this whole prep for it lived in isolation for three like three weeks and then the director's like oh by the way there's a thing called COVID going on and everything is going to be closed so we're going in quarantine so we're in quarantine for however long and that was going to be a movie about my internal struggle and self-destruction all those self-destructive tendencies that I used to have and that's what I was going to share with the world and how to overcome that through accountability being accountable for yourself and being like, I am the reason for my pain. I am the reason why I feel joy or whatnot. And you got to be accountable for your own self, right? So that's what that was going to show to the world. Ryan was a person of no matter how hard you try, what is meant to be is meant to be. 
And can you give me context for Ryan? What, what? Ryan, yeah, Ryan was a military medic from like this movie was dated in 1943, I believe. It was like post World War, uh, post World War Three, post World War Two, and it's like like right before the Cold War, and it was yeah, he was all about making sure that his team was always safe, and it was like a covert mission going on, and he was if it wasn't something he wanted to do, but no matter what, he's a person that's always going to wear his heart on his sleeve and he's going to be there for those that he's just going to bring his team home. Like that's the kind of person he is, no matter what he's committed to just being that savior for his people. And some things don't always happen according to plan. And no matter how hard you try, sometimes things have to happen. Right. And when I say that, I'm saying as vague because the movie is currently in, in like in routes for the festivals and whatnot. So I can't really go too much on the plot line. And that's what I learned from that one. And that's the part of myself that I brought is like this aspect of my artistic career as an actor. Are there are jets going on nearby. Jesus. All right. Nevertheless, it's uh, it's pretty much me and my artistic journey. This drive of wanting to go places and putting my heart and soul into everything that I do. But no matter what, what is meant to be is meant to be. I have to be patient and believe that my work speaks for itself and my authenticity shines through. The amount of courage that you show um, in, in, in bringing these characters to life into your in your your journal, your poetry. Are you met with support outside? do people support what you're doing and do you feel supported i'm definitely supported i have such an amazing circle of friends family and whatnot i'm really really well supported in what i do and there's people that love my work you know like there's there's people that are like damn dude like really you're not there yet like how are you not known you know and at first that would trigger me because there was a part of my art form that was really validation based where I would do things and hope for praise, right? You're hoping to be validated through the work you do. And the moment that changed for me is the moment I was like, I have the right to like, just love the process. Why do I need it to always be amazing? Like, why do I need it? Why do I need people to like it? You know, and the moment that people pleaser aspect of me like went out the window is when I started loving the process. And then that just made me love the whole arc of creating characters. And I was doing it for me, not for external validation. And so that was when I started becoming my own supporter, when I just started to do it for myself. Right. So, yeah, that was a huge, huge step for me because you can have all the support in the world, but if you don't support yourself, then you're not gonna go anywhere, right? Can I go back a little bit? Um, I've just, I've heard a couple of things which I just really kind of want to pick up on. Um, you, you, I think they probably tie in together, but earlier on you said you used the word healing, you know, self-healing. And also you described the, your poetry book as having, as giving expression to what you have used uh the, the ways you've changed in order to not be self-destructive not be damaging to yourself and um i guess my questions are well, my question is healing from what really you know what you described scars you described you know um revealing your scars to the world which is which is wonderful and uh, um can see the value in that and and how it gives a sameness and perhaps a value for other people to to look on and see you know share scars i suppose sharing yours but but healing from what healing my past traumas right things that are 
enabling me from being my true self. So it was healing my mind in the end. It was just facing the fact that my mind was the dictator in my own reality. And it was healing parts of myself so that it stopped triggering those things. And it just gave me more and more power to then be in control of my mind. So it became a relationship as a best friend relationship with my mind. Yeah. Instead of my mind self bringing self-judgment, like self-destructive tendencies and like seeing the habits that I was doing, right? Mm -hmm. So the healing comes from the aspect I was healing my mind to heal my world. And I was coming from the place like my habits, the moment you observe yourself, right? You see that you're doing things that, you know what, that's not actually really good for me. Why am I doing this? And it was just taking a step back from life and observing who I was on autopilot. Mm. And healing for me was coming back to who I am authentically and who I was born as. Without mm. any preconditioned beliefs, without all this trauma that made me scared of being who I truly am. Mm. Or that I would say stopped me from being my truth. Mm -hmm. This is me being who I am, period. And uh, yeah, I was, yeah, Would that's you... really what it came down from. It was just the healing of its soul work, I guess. It's just breaking karmic links and just becoming more, like more you, I guess, a wholer you. Without inviting you to visit, you know, your trauma in a way that might, you know, for want of a better expression, re-traumatize you. Would, would you be able to give us an outline or some kind of description about the type of trauma you experienced without Def having to tell a narrative, really, if you don't want to? Oh, no, definitely. Oh, my God. Yo, I love these questions. Oh, my God, guys. Thank you. Thank you for asking these. Oh, my God. Okay. A trauma, right? Elementary school. Asked a girl out on MSN. Right. And she was like, Are you Can serious? You say that again. I asked a woman out. So in elementary school, oh, I asked right. a woman out. Yeah. Okay. A woman out. She was my age, right? So a girl out. And she was like, Is this you? And I'm like, Yeah, it's me. And before that, I was super easy going with women. And I was super, it was super easy for me to just converse and just be lighthearted. And she was like, okay, sure. Like we're we're dating. So I'm like, oh my God, I got a girlfriend. Oh my God. Oh my God. I just want to clarify that it, this, you said it was on MSN. It was on Messenger. MSN Messenger. Yes. All right. Passed her out on Messenger. Okay. This is very old. This is very old, but I love how this is one of the traumas that's coming through. Like, this is super funny. How, how old were you at this time? Oh my God. I was in grade, must've been grade five. So uh, how old are you in grade five? Like uh, 11, 11. Damn. Right. Damn. So first experiences of wanting to, to romantically engage with someone in some way. And it was, and it was re reciprocated. It was so something happened yeah. and oh my God, I'm, this is happening. I'm dating someone age 11, which is cute, but you know, it's, it's super cute at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so like with my mom, we went shopping and I was like, mom, I'd like to buy something for her, you know, for Monday, you know, I'd like to give her a little gift. So we were like, we went to the doll ram and I bought her like this little keychain. So the dollar store bought a little keychain with her name on it. Mm -hmm. And that Monday I put it in her desk, you know, with a little note, you know, and I was like, oh my God, holy crap. Oh my God. Like, what's she going to do? And she came with her, like with her best friend and like, they just sat down and then she sees it. She looks down at it, looks at me, and like she starts laughing in my face. And I'm just like, what's going on? I'm like, what, what is this? And then she comes up to me, she's like, are you serious? Like, you were serious. 
And for me, that was like my heart broke and I felt so ashamed. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. Anything that makes you feel so bad, that makes you feel like you never want to do anything again, that's just drama. That mm. takes away that innocence, right? Yeah. That that's just that purity of your soul. And that's what those traumas are in our life. That's a super like childish one. But there's other traumas where this one person keeps putting you down or like you're just holding all your emotions within because you don't want to speak your truth. Mm. That's because earlier in your life, when you did speak your truth, it must have hurt someone. And you're like, I'm never going to do that again. Mm-hmm. And those are the traumas that block you from fully expressing who you are. Yeah, no matter what, you know, so I had very similar experiences. And I think what you were saying is that I think what you what I heard you saying, Jonathan, is that something like that carries forward into the next experience and the next experience. And you kind of you you say what you're saying is you said to yourself, right, I'm never doing that again. Like to put it bluntly, that hurt. I'm not going there again, you know, and yet you kind of you then have grown. You know, it's been. 16 years since that happened and, and and i was at a party where everyone you know 11 12 13 year old kids and everyone's kissing you know like kissing and lying around on the floor kissing or sitting on the couch kissing or whatever and you know i was i lived in the world of movies and and, and the rom- my idea of romance came from fiction from movies from tv yeah. and i told someone that i was kissing that i loved them you know, a girl of what, maybe 11, 12 years old. And she jumped straight up, ran across the room and shouted it out and pointed at me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And, and, and as I say that, I'm like, so that's maybe the, what, the counter transference that I got from your experience sitting in the classroom mm. and there's, and they're looking at you and they're pointing and it's like, not what you thought, you know, it's not, you're caught up in a feeling you're caught up in an idea, the idea of love, the idea of romance. And it just like a switch gets flicked and it's like, okay. And, and, you know, speaking sort of in, in terms of what trauma is, you can carry that into your future experiences. And, and it's almost like when something like that happens, some software gets installed, you know, and then in a similar or vaguely connected scenario further down the line, that software gets triggered again and that feeling reemerges. And that's perhaps going back to what you were saying before about the healing you know that just 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 tying it together from my own from my own perspective really but um thank you yeah. i wonder what happened to that girl <laughs> right yeah i've had the experiences too of being 12 years old and being um i wanted to go out with a woman a girl for so long uh and finally getting a chance to uh and then after three months she just breaks it off for no reason and after i had given her like gifts or whatever and it just hurt me so much yeah. And I remember standing out on the on the balcony, uh, the porch of this guy's house, and I hit the wall, and um, yeah. and I was crying. And she was standing on the sidewalk. She broke off with me standing on the sidewalk, and I was on the on the front steps. And she said, "Are you crying?" And I went, "No, no." I hit my head on the door, and she said, "Well, I expect to see a bruise tomorrow." And I oh, did. I went home and I made up a bruise on my head with my mom's makeup. A man, yeah, I was really protected. Yeah, anyway, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, that ties the bow to it perfectly. Any trauma is anything that's stopping you from fully being yourself. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's what a trauma is. It's yeah. something that's stopping you from fully being you. It's all fear-based, right? And that's typically what it is. The moment you face your fears, that's when you start pushing your comfort zone, right? And your comfort zone is your authenticity. So you keep 
being authentic through more and more experiences of life, right? Until you face this fear that you don't know why you're afraid, but you're, you know that, like, I remember when I was going through this Buddhist practice of called detachment, just detaching from all things, you know, detached from my career and detached from my own self when I was just like, well, what is going on? And hit this massive depression. And I was like, I don't know why I'm depressed. I'm detached from all things. Isn't detachment the key to like non-suffering? That's what they say. And then I was like, okay, but why am I like, why am I in this state then? And one of my buddies is like, well, what are you afraid of? I was like, well, shit. It came down to being afraid of the unknown. And that's the root of fear, right? And that's the root of fear is the unknown. All fear is stemmed in that. And it was not knowing what's coming, not knowing who I am, not knowing anything. And it's just everything was just this fog. And that's what I was afraid of. And I had to let that go and be like, I will be where I need to be. I detach from needing to know anymore. I know that I know nothing. That's the only thing that I know is I know that I don't know everything. That's the only thing I know. And that just allowed me to find such a deep peace after that. And they say the final lesson is to detach from detachment, funny enough. And that's one thing you realize once you get there. And I was like, I have the right to be excited of living. What excites me? I love acting. I love performing. I love creating. I love loving, you know, and it started by I love loving. Okay, how do I love to love? through acting, through piano, through poetry, through just caring for people, just to be of service, right? And that's what stemmed from that. But all those blockages were just these things that just allowed me to not be afraid of being hurt anymore. Because the moment you realize that everybody's projecting their own inner struggle, you realize that all you have to really be aware of is how you truly are, right? How you feel. If you're triggered by it, well, damn, that's your ego. Ego is the, the trigger. It doesn't mean ego is bad or good. It just means that's what I need to work on. If I got triggered by this, my inner peace was fluctuated because of it. I have something to work on right now, you know? So yeah, that's really like, that's where I found, I find myself right now. I'm at a point where I'm just at peace doing what excites me. And what gives me life. And it's just a great place to be in. And if I get triggered, I know it's personal. It has nothing to do with anybody else. I'm not going to exteriorize that pain or like project it on others. I'm just going to self-introspect and heal right there and then. Boom. And then go from there. Do you mind if I I want to just interject and ask another question, which you may have just answered, actually. But you, you are wondering if there was a moment where, if there was one moment or one time you can remember where, you where there was a change so you were kind of in self-destruct or you were living in your trauma or you you know and 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 because clearly for frankly quite a young man you've reached a place what you know of understanding yourself and understanding your connection with the world but you know presumably that's a journey from a point in your life where you as you described it earlier on were living a self-destructive or 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 painful way of existing and was there a time when that changed big time big time it was the passing of my mother oh wow i was 18 Mm -hmm. and she passed away with ovarian cancer and she three months four months and she was gone from diagnosis to uh, passing Mm -hmm. and i was in such a place of sufferance right why why did she have to leave so young she was telling me and she was a she was a healer 
And she was like, my guys is telling me everything's going to be okay. And like, she's like, it's not the end of my journey when she was talking with them. And I was like, okay, damn, she's going to make it through, you know, like she's going to come out of this. All right, mom, I believe, you know, mm-hmm. and then she passed. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest hit for me. It was like, it made me re-question everything. It's like, really? I had all these beliefs and they were all synchronized with my reality. And I was like, but that clearly isn't the truth. And I was in such a depressed state. I was like, I just got to get out of this. And my dad had done this meditation retreat called Vipassana. And he was like, those were the 10 hardest days of my life, but the 10 best days. You're meditating 10 hours a day, right? You're alone with your mind and you can't talk. You can't have any like nonverbal communication with anybody. You're you with yourself in this meditation state for 10 days. Mm. Woo! Oh, damn. You're forced to look at yourself very clearly. And if you choose to deny it, it comes back. It comes back and it comes back. And you got 10 days of 10 hour meditations. It hits. After a while, you just got to look at yourself honestly and be like, you know what? I have that to work on. I'm not perfect. But at least that moment of accountability is the moment that you can finally start growing. So That's what it comes do, down to. Did you do something like that yourself? Did you do it? A- I did. I did it three times. Yeah, I did it 30 days of that. Wow. Yeah. And that's what really made me realize it's all about accountability. The moment, like that was my teacher to bring me to accountability. That's all it really was. And being responsible with your accountability. It's seeing yourself through the ugly, like the the good as much as the ugly, right? You're seeing yourself for who you truly are, not who you think you are, who you want to be, who you are. And from that moment, that's where you start to grow. You weed out stuff first. That's where the... The detachment comes in, right? Letting go of things, healing your traumas, no matter how hard they are. Oh my God, it's a brutal process because it brings back all the worst things that you've ever experienced and you have to really face them. Mm -hmm. And you got to accept that they happened, let it go and just be grateful for it because it comes with wisdom, right? Suffering brings wisdom. No matter how much we want to perceive it or say that it's bad, there's always wisdom in every trauma that we've experienced. And that's when we reflect and we heal from it, we're actually gaining the fruit of those things. And that's where you gain your wisdom. So yeah, that's I've, yeah, it was a really intense experience for me. Um, Jonathan, um, yes. it was a pleasure having you. It was a, an experience. And I mean, an experience. Um, thank you for it. Oh, well, thank you guys for allowing this to happen. Thank you, Jonathan. A, a pleasure to be part of your world and hear your story today. And I'm sure our paths will cross again in some way, shape or form. If you've been inspired or moved by what you've heard on today's podcast, I invite you to visit our website, artistsindepth.com. There you can sign up for podcast reminders, get in touch with us through email, or connect with other like-minded artists by sharing your thoughts on our blog and joining our community and finding out more about our initiatives. It's free and it's rewarding. Until next time. This episode of Artists in Depth is sponsored by Equity Showcase in Toronto, Canada, embracing all artists by developing, uniting, advocating, and empowering the arts community. Visit equityshowcase.ca to discover all their initiatives.